Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio. We are your host, Tim and Julie Harris. We will have the new hi-fi version of the podcast starting manana. We finally have got all the kinks worked out. Look, guys, we are doing a show today that has been requested by many of you. And it's a great topic because it's one of those topics that's easy to uh, look over. It's one of those topics that a lot of people don't take seriously. And the topic is doing open houses. There are lots of little hacks to doing open houses where you will generate not just buyer leads, which let's be honest, that's never the focus of our podcast, but you will generate listing leads. And so what Julie's going to do today is we're going to walk you through step-by-step. It's basically a five-step process that's going to tell you exactly how to basically make money from open houses. We're going to give you scripts. We're going to give you little techniques. We're going to give you little hacks. I want you to take notes office managers, brokers, team leaders, every one of you should be seriously considering doing open houses. In some markets, you do opens on Saturdays. Others, you do them on Sundays. If you have a brokerage right now that is uh, slowing down because of you know a lot of midsummer stuff happens, you must be doing open houses every single weekend. Make that a challenge for the next 60 days. But open houses without a specific plan to monetize are just a waste of time. That's the truth. The reason that most agents do open houses is because they're trying to placate the sellers, keep the sellers happy. Well, in our book, that's a waste of time in itself. If you're if you're going to put effort towards something, the effort ultimate outcome of the effort has to be to generate more listing leads. By the way, getting your listing sold is the number one source of more listing leads because the neighbors will see the sold signs. Sold signs are the ultimate branding for you when you're looking to basically become a powerful listing agent. So as we go through these points today, like I said, we're going to go fast and furious. We're going to give you a lot of scripts and techniques. You have to be writing things down along the way so you can put this information to use this weekend. In some markets, And I'll tell you the markets where open houses work the best, the most consistently, are the markets where people are most um, dependent on tech. So if you go to an Austin, Texas, or if you go to a San Francisco, if you go to all these other areas where everyone basically walking down the street is looking at their cell phones, those are the markets where there is a huge uh, benefit from doing open houses. And I'm going to tell you guys what Julie and I have been observing, and I think in your own worlds you'll observe the same thing. Many people are turning away from technology because it does not give them the sense of connection to other people. That's the reason I know this is the complete opposite of what a lot of you are being told to believe, that everyone's liking and Facebooking and tweeting and all the rest of it. And yet what we're seeing is a resurgence of people wanting to join private clubs. In other words, have actual interaction. You're seeing a resurgence of people joining uh, other things that are basically going to force them to have interaction with other humans. We cannot get the absolutely required uh, communal feelings from technology that we can from being around other people. We are tribal creatures by nature. Even the most introverted dorky amongst you need to be around other people. There's been all kinds of psychological studies that have been done on uh, people 
unfortunately many of these were done on monkeys, but the gist of it was is when you are no longer uh, associating on a regular basis with other people, you get depressed, you get fat, and you don't live as long. How about that? So you get diseases, you're more susceptible to all kinds of other nasty things. We literally like water, like food, like air. We literally need to have social connections with other people because we are social animals. So I want you just not to even fight with that, not try to think you're an exception to it, not say, well, Tim, I'm an introvert, and I can just basically get all of my you know, social connections from reading books. It's not true. What has happened is you've gotten used to feeling like you feel, which is an introvert, which is partially depressed, and you don't know how to interact with other people. And as a result of that, you've just settled because you're being complacent with your skills to basically be connected to other people. I see that happening all the time with real estate people because what happens is you essentially live, start living this scheduled life, start prospecting every morning, taking your listing appointments, and then you go home to your family of four, and then you just you know rinse, wash, rinse, repeat day after day after day and you lose the ability to actually communicate with other people and if and you start to feel depressed you start to feel like well what am I doing all this work for you start to feel like this longing for some connection you start telling yourself well when I earn a certain amount of money then I'm going to start basically having more friends you guys have all been through this those of you who have basically are ascending the success uh, ladder you'll experience this very thought that I'm sharing with you so what I'm telling you is the rest of the world is experiencing the same thing so accept the fact that all of us are social animals and all of us must have connections with other people and if we don't we literally start to die the quality of our life sucks we get depressed we develop diseases now if you can just accept that and not analyze or be a skeptic of what I just said. That's the reason that open houses are so incredibly powerful, because it is a way for you to socialize with them and them to socialize with you. At the same time, you can make money. Now, I'm going to give you a little insight into your future. You can just assume what I'm telling you is true, because it'll save you a lot of, frankly, it'll save you a lot of pain and anguish. There is underway a noticeable, I already told you, people joining private clubs and things like that, but a noticeable turning away of social networking. You are going to see people who are literally going to stop just trying to connect with people online because it's incredibly unfulfilling. There are lots of anecdotal uh, you know, reinforcing things, some of which I've just touched on, but there's kind, tons of stories about people who are essentially – you're seeing more and more people brag about giving up their cell phones, more and more people talking about in their own households having a cell phone-free zone, more and more people like are giving up social networking. Because at the end of the day, that stuff takes an enormous amount of time. It's become addictive. It, every time you get the ping on your phone, you want to see who liked your post. And all that stuff is slowly eroding the quality of your life, believe it or not. And it's making it so you're spending less time doing the real connecting to people. You get it? See, what's happening is all that stuff, you are like, you know, the, 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 the bell rings and the Maslow dog Slobbers, those of you who took Psychology 101, you know what I'm talking about. And that's what's happened. That's what they've trained all of us to do, to be like a dog who slobbers every time he hears a bell ring because he thinks he's going to get fed. That's what all that stuff has become. And people are rejecting it. People are moving back to wanting to talk. How about that? On the phone. Talk in person. Talk in open houses. You probably feel that way too, don't you? So that's what's interesting. That's the reason you're listening to this podcast, too, because you guys are connected to us. Julie and I 
are Julie and I on this podcast. There's not a Julie and I version that's not on this podcast. Those of you who are going to our event at the end of July will discover that. We are who we are, and we are connected with you, 170,000 of you or whatever. We're personally connected with you, aren't we? We're personally connecting with you every single day. You feel like you know us because you do. Why is it that you want that connection? It's not just for the sake of the information we give. I suppose that's part of it. But it's because you need that social connection. And podcasts, or at least hopefully this one, is delivering that sense of social connection. But this is not enough. You need to actually decide that if you want to have almost an unfair advantage in your marketplace, you need to be the person that goes to lunch with people. You need to be the person that's willing to share your information and insights with other people and be helpful in person. And you cannot hide behind your computer screen or clever click ads. Don't, guys, look, you know what I'm saying intuitively is true because you feel it as well. So if you want to know where the market's headed, where you, know, where you want to know where the business is, I promise you, less and less. The contacts you make online are becoming less and less quality. The best folks are going to want to discuss or want to meet with you in person at open houses. Now, I'm going to give you guys a little and more of a drill down on open houses. Your least qualified buyers are the ones that you find online. Those are the crappiest quality buyers. Oh, I had a buyer that bought the second day after I talked to him online. Okay, so that's going to be the one thing you hang your hat on. As a rule, when people start searching for houses, when they're the least motivated, they start searching online. Can everyone agree to that? Online is used mostly for researching, mostly for just getting to know price ranges and looking at pretty pictures, hopefully. After that, what happens is, is after they drill down, so they'll start driving neighborhoods. They'll start just, you know, deciding what part of the tracks they want to live on, what side of the city they want to live on, proximity to this, proximity to that. And then they start driving neighborhoods. Then when they start driving neighborhoods, now these are just buyers. Now, these buyers might also have a house to sell, by the way. But when they start driving neighborhoods, then they go to open houses. So the folks you meet at open houses, in most cases, will have probably had a dozen or more contacts with agents online probably getting a dozen or more new listing data feeds from agents online, but they're not working with any of those agents. They don't know those agents. Those agents haven't called them. Those agents haven't done anything except email pictures. You meet them for the first time in an open house, what you're going to discover is probably half the buyers, if you know what questions to ask, if you use the techniques that Julie's about to share with you, half the folks walking into your door are going to have houses to sell, that's the obvious goal which you're after is not just to sell the listing, you know, hopefully to one of those buyers that's walking in, but find out if they have houses to sell and get those houses listed. That is what all of you should be focused on. Now, in the first time uh, buyer price ranges, that's not going to be the case, but in move up and all the rest of it, that's going to be the case. Most of them are going to have properties to sell. Remember, when you ask if they have, a pro ask if they have any other property to sell, don't ask if they want to sell their home first if you're determining motivation because oftentimes in this marketplace, you're going to have people that don't necessarily want to sell their home, but they have other properties they want to sell, rental properties, property they inherit. But if you ask if you, have, if you need to sell your home first, which is the typical real estate script, they're going to say, no, I don't need to sell my home first. But because you didn't ask if they have a double rental property or whatever else to sell, if you didn't ask, they're not going to tell you, so you're not going to get that opportunity. So 
take notes, drill down, realize the reason that buyers, the best buyers, are driving and going to open houses is because they want that social connection just like you do, because they can't get the information that they truly want by going um, you know, just online. And if anything, they're confused about all the information they get online, and they're expecting you to be able to decipher the true market data. That's the bottom line. And if you guys are – it doesn't matter what stage you are in your careers. Do open houses every single weekend. And remember, use the scripts that Jules is going to share with you so you can drill down and pull out all the potential listing leads. So, Julie, you ready? I am. So let's jump in with top five reasons to love open houses, some of which we've touched on, so we'll go through this quickly. Point number one, yes, serious buyers do go to open houses. In fact, 20% of them are going to open houses so they can make a decision this weekend. As you said, Tim, they're drilling down on the neighborhood and what side of the tracks they want to live on. Be the agent they write the contract with. Yes, uh, they seem like buyers, but they are sellers in buyer's clothing, especially as you go up in price. Your script which home or property in the area do you plan on selling? Not do you have something to sell, do you have to sell your home first, it's which home or property in the area do you plan on selling? Super easy to memorize, internalize, and utilize that one. Don't forget about it. So many of you think open houses are only for buyers. It's because you're not asking that question. Fact, at least 30% of open house visitors do have a home to sell, and again, that number's a lot higher as you go up in price. It just makes sense, but many of you don't know that because you've never asked. Point number two, uh, in terms of why we love them, it's a great place to meet the nosy soon-to-list neighbors. Of course the neighbors are coming through, looking at what you get for the money, how their house compares. They're the next ones to list. Point number three, build your future business through making maximum contacts in minimum time. This is efficient prospecting when you do it right. You'll be amazed at how much future business you'll create by doing consistent, well-executed opens. Those of you who are having your best quarters or best years ever and you look back and we as your coaches ask you where that deal came from, we're hearing a lot, particularly this year of low inventory where open houses work even better. Oh, I met them at an open house. I met them at an open house three months ago. I met them at an open house right before Christmas. Yes, of course. You're going to get business from this when you do it right. Point number five, open houses force you, Tim, this is to your point about agents hiding out on social media and texting and emailing, open houses force you to be in front of people. More contact equals more contracts. Polish your skill and stop being a secret agent. It's no wonder that so many agents report being kind of socially awkward and a little bit weird in person needing more scripts. It's because you're so addicted to your texting and you're not used to being in front of people. Open houses is a great way to work on that, work your scripts, work on getting to know people better, asking better questions, and of course you'll get more deals as a result. So if you're not convinced yet, here's some fun open house math. Point number one, hold open houses every weekend as a rule until you have a minimum of three AAA buyers, some of whom will come with listings. Once you put one in contract, you're placed with another AAA buyer so you are never without three. Doing this ensures that you will never, ever have a lean month. When the market changes on you and your listings are taking 60 to 90 days to sell, and you've been doing a great job as a listing agent, that's fantastic, but meanwhile, you can be working with three AAA buyers to keep that cash flow going. Point number two, when you work with at least three AAA buyers at all times, two will close per month minimum. Again, it's basically a financial insurance policy. Point number three, two deals per month, whether they're listings or buyers from your opens, times your average commission equals blank. Let's say your average net is $5,000 per deal. 
That's 10 grand per month just from open houses, 120 grand a year. Even if your numbers are only half of that, open house math makes a lot of sense. So point number four, if you're already doing better than that in your business, add open houses as a viable spoke and add that 60 grand to your 120,000 plus you're already you know, doing. It doesn't cost you that much. This is not buying leads. All you've got really is your time, your signage, and your follow-up. So use the added income to pay off debt, buy a rental, pay for an assistant, upgrade your car. What could you do with a minimum of at least 60 grand more? And a lot of you guys have better nets than five grand a deal, so the number's even better for you. Anything that you want to add to that, Tim? I always like to share the math because not doing it means they're saying, oh no, you keep that extra 60 to 120 grand because I don't want to make the effort of a simple open house. Just saying. Let's get Anything into the scripts add? about what to Let's get into the scripts about what to say and so that they don't hide out from the, the prospects coming in. Because the worst sin that you guys commit when doing open houses is basically not knowing what to say. Some of you will hide back in the back of the house on your computers and be ticking around your phones, and you'll hear the, phone, the front door open. You'll go, oh, just walk Anything around. Else? Ask me if you have any questions, honey. I mean, when Julie and I go to open houses and we see that, we hear that. It's like, this is not a serious agent. So do an open house, but do the open house with the intent of getting everyone to sign in, okay? And, Julie, are you ready for scripts and actual techniques? You just gave them general information. Can we deep dive here? I was going to do the prospecting rules to get them set up for people showing up, but we can do scripts first if you'd like to. Yes, that's the stuff that I'll use the most often. All right, so here's some techniques, guys. When they walk in the door, you need to be standing by the front door. Now, look, we're not going to talk about the safety stuff of doing open houses, but I'm going to give you a little secret. Don't follow them around the damn house. That's a mistake. Don't, don't follow them around the house. Yes, and don't tell your seller – and tell your sellers to put away any stuff that's valuable, including drugs that are – you know, prescription drugs, all that stuff, because stuff gets stolen out of open houses all the time. But the biggest mistake you can make is following them around because somebody else can come in and there's all kinds of nasty things that happen during open houses when people are being dumb and following, sell or following buyers they have no clue about, never pre-qualified, never met before around the house. So don't do it. You stand by the front of the door and you're the greeter. You're like the doorman. And what I want you to do is have by the front door, I want you to have a registration book. And go get a nice one. And you're going to have to stack the registration book with some registrations, have some, you know, you have to. What I'm telling you to do is literally, if it's a new registration book and someone looks at the registration book and there's no names, no phone numbers, no emails, they will not sign in. So what you have to do is you have to go and you have to seed that registration book with a bunch of you know registrations so that they'll feel obligated to register themselves. It's just like when you go to Starbucks. If there's no tips, this is a, another psychological study that was done that's very interesting. If there are no tips in the jar. When you go to Starbucks, for example, nobody tips. So what they do when they show up to their shifts, I know this for a fact, is they will take a wad of ones and they'll stuff it in the tip jar because they know psychologically when you're standing there waiting for your latte, you're going to put money in if other people have. It's the pressure of the pack. It's the pressure of not wanting to seem like an, an outcast. You've all been in that situation before, so you need to do the same thing with your registration book. So don't overthink it. Don't be a skeptic of it. Don't overanalyze it. Just do it. So when they walk in, they'll sign in. And the one thing, you can have a little sign by the front door or by the registration book. By little, I mean they have to be able to see it. Say the seller requests that everybody signs in. And if you're standing there by the registration book 
and there's a big ass sign that says the seller requested everybody signs in and there's a registration book not a piece of paper don't be lazy not a yellow tablet don't be lazy an actual nice registration book you guys can get these online from amazon for like 20 bucks that and make it spiral bound so you can reuse it and every sunday you can reuse it it's a great way to keep track of your leads so when they walk in hit them with the registration book, have them sign in, boom, you've got a contact. Yes, you'll get some people with bogus information, but you'll be shocked how many people will give you actual information. Now, the other thing you can add, this will probably be, require you doing it on a separate piece of paper, you can have uh, a, a, uh, like a tablet with you, and you can ask them at, before they leave, listen, I have a list of homes that are coming for sale that are in this neighborhood and a couple other adjacent neighborhoods that are not yet for sale, not in the MLS, can I send this to you? Okay, they'll all say yes. And then you say, well, did you register? Yes. Could you go and put mark by your, you know, have, and you mark in the registration book or have them mark in the registration book that they want the information. They've just given you information, a permission to contact them, and then they're also basically expecting you to send them some information. But here's what you say after that. Okay, great. I've got your information. I'll send that to you. Then here's the script I want all of you to use. Write this down. Never forget this. Ready? Oh, by the way, which house in the neighborhood are you thinking about selling? Yes, I want you to ask it out of the blue like that. Because when you ask it out of the blue like that, they will give you an honest answer, right? Because they're not expecting it. And because you've just promised them something that they want, which is exclusive information about houses that are not yet for sale. Okay, if some of you are panicking because you don't know where you're going to get the information of houses yet for sale, and I'll tell you in a second. Right? So, by the way, the answer is your office and other agents in your office. Okay? So, or, or it's new construction they might not know about. Um, usually, in some of the bigger brokerages, you guys share with each other the listings that are coming available. In LA, there's a private listing service website, the PLS, I think it's called. So, you guys can use PLS and other marketplaces. I know there's other brokerages and other top agents that are also creating, in essence, their own private MLSs. Why? Because they don't want to put the, they don't want to put their listings on the MLS anymore because they're tired of having their uh, listing data exploited by Zillow and Realtor.com. They're tired, and their sellers are tired of having their listing misrepresented because when you look at a Zillow listing and it says sponsored by, the buyers are under the assumption that the sponsored by agent, the agent paying to have their picture there is the listing agent, and the market is rebelling against that. Sellers are pissed about that because they know that's not their listing agent, and they know if their prospective buyer contacts that buyer's agent who doesn't know anything about the house, chances are they're going to get bad information about their listing. So you are seeing, this is a little sideline information, there's, there are more and more people that are rejecting the whole way that basically Zillow has been able to build their business around selling agents into the idea that they can pose as the listing agent. Remember I told you that there's a court case going on in New York State right now, which actually might disallow Zillow from being able to make that claim if I read the whole thing correctly. It was on Inman. Um, and if that happens, you're going to see that spreading across the country. So just FYI. So there you go. That's your hook. By the way, which house in the neighborhood are you thinking about selling? And then say nothing. And then they're going to tell you the truth. Well, we don't have a neighborhood house in this neighborhood, but five neighborhoods over. Or, well, you know, it's funny you asked, but we were thinking about selling the house next door. Or we have a rental property. Or this, that, or the other. You're going to get more information. The people that have houses to sell go to DEFCON 1 as far as your follow-up. Those are the ones you go after first. And by go after first, what I want you to do 
is while you're there at the open house, say, you know what, That's I'll tell you what, I'll put together a CMA. How about I pop over a little bit later, and I can give you an idea of what the place is worth. Do not wait. Do not follow up two days later. You need to set the appointment immediately. If you do, they're going to respect you. If you do, they're going to realize you're the agent for them because you're being urgent. If you don't, they're going to assume that you're lazy. They're going to assume that you're too busy. They're going to assume you're disorganized, and they won't even take you seriously when you do get around to following up three or four days later. You have to remember I told you that. This is a Real estate is an easy business to be successful at, provided you are not lazy with your lead follow-up. That's the reason Julie and I have a section in our book, Harris Rules, called Fanatical Lead Follow-Up, because you have to be fanatical, furiously fast lead follow-up, sorry. So you're going to ask them if they have a house to sell, and if they do, you basically set the listing appointment right then and there. Because you already know what they're looking for. They're looking in the neighborhood where you have the house for sale. You have really all the information you need. Set the listing appointment. Don't be dissuaded if they tell you, well, they already have somebody they're working with. That's not true, or they wouldn't be going to open houses. Set the appointment anyway. Well, Mr. Seller, listen, I appreciate the fact you're thinking about working with whoever. You know, and it's good that you get I'm sure you'll agree, or I'm sure you'll probably agree, in this market, it just makes sense that you have at least two opinions about what the property is worth so you can make a really good decision who you should uh, hire for the job of selling your house so you can maximize your returns. And listen, I'm going to be in the area already, you know, today at 4.30 or tomorrow at 5 o'clock be better. Pop by for about 15, 20 minutes, show you exactly what I can do to get the property sold. So at least then you'll have some added information so you can make the smartest decision for you and your family. Make sense? Perfect. That's it. That's what you say. These are the things we teach you in Premier Coaching. This is how you convert what would just be an open house lead to a listing appointment. Hey, how did Tim and Julie sell over 100 houses their first year in the business when they had no previous real estate experience, no previous sales experience? They asked questions that other agents weren't willing to ask, and when they asked the questions, they followed up with those leads immediately. Do you think that was part of it? I think so. Now, here's the next thing. Even those that don't have houses to sell, you've got, you have to call those guys back immediately. Immediately means the same day. They've given you permission to contact them when they register. So contact them back and just drill down on them. But give priority to the ones that have the houses to sell. Why you guys hide from asking uh, if people have houses to sell or why you try to make that, you know, the question that you ask eventually after you feel like you've gotten to know them and their golden retriever is insane. You need to ask that question immediately. By the way, which house in the neighborhood are you thinking about selling? Don't be afraid of the question. And if you are afraid to ask the question, the reason you're afraid to ask the question is because you don't know what to do once they say, yes, I do have a house to sell. And that's what Premier Coaching is all about. Julie? Yes, absolutely. Everything that you said, you guys have got to take your notes, put it into a checklist. Don't skip any steps. If you're not monetizing your open houses yet, you're either not holding any or you're not doing them right. Those are the only two answers. So I just want to supplement a little bit about how to get people to actually show up. So, you know, Tim, when you and I drive around, sometimes we'll joke when we see like an, one open house sign that's blown into the neighbor's yard, right? And we always joke, well, that's the agent's probably sitting there wondering why nobody's showing up, right? So point number one, you've got to use at least, at least 10 directional signs minimum and turn it into a prospecting event. Ask permission to place signs and connect with the homeowners who allow you this courtesy they're more likely to leave them standing up. They're less likely to jerk them and throw them in the trash can. They're going to help you out. 
Make it a good thing, not something that you're just assuming. Point number two, choosing the right house does matter. First-time buyer houses, first-time move-up houses in popular schools, great neighborhoods, nice curb appeal. That's the go-to open house. But of course, moving up the food chain is fine too. You want to try to avoid gated communities, you know, double gated, guard gated, hard to get into condo buildings, you know, four or five twisty roads to find your open house. That can be a reason that nobody shows up. Use shoe covers that say, please remove your shoes or use these shoe covers to take care of the floors, which may someday be yours. Kind of drives the point home that this is a nice house. They want to take it seriously. And it helps your seller not have to vacuum after the open house. All right, so ideally, you're going to door knock one hour before the open house using your open house home brochure, which invites neighbors and friends to your sneak preview one hour prior to a public open house. Again, this works particularly well in low inventory areas. You're going to get a good turnout doing this. You're also showing to the neighborhood that, you know what, in spite of the fact that this house is probably going to sell right away, you're still out there working it for that homeowner getting them the best money you can get in the least amount of time. You can always do your inexpensive ads on Craigslist, on your Facebook page, Realtor.com, you know, with your listing. Get people to show up. Next point, synchronize with other listing agents in the same area for a larger turnout. It's going to benefit everyone. Do announce it in your MLS. Like I said, Realtor.com, get people to show up. Have a formal and classy sign-in book. We talked about that, not just a legal pad. And potentially do a drawing to get more people to sign in. Use enter to win signs. Give away something that people want. It could be something as simple as a Starbucks gift card, but they don't have to be present to win. They do have to give their phone number and email address to win. This works really well. Lots of our premier clients are doing business off of the raffle. The raffle becomes your lead follow-up. More than one person can win. A couple of people have even done bomb bomb videos when they pop by to give them the Starbucks card. Follow up on all leads the same day. Tim, you made a big point about this. Do not sit on your leads. You will be forgotten about, and there are many instances by if you sit on those leads even three or four days, some of those open house buyers are already in contract by the time you follow up when you wait too long. Follow up on all leads until they buy or sell with you or call to get a restraining order because you've been so relentless with your communication. If you don't have any listings, borrow a listing to mention from an office mate, your broker, maybe hey, new Julie. construction. Yes. You didn't, you didn't, you sound a little, so guys, her, the lead follow-up rule is, there's no lead follow-up rule. Here it is. It's not a certain number of times or a certain number of contacts or any of that bullshit that everyone else is telling you guys. The little joke that Julie just gave you, you need to remember that. You follow up until one or two things happen. They end up doing business with somebody else or you, or they file a restraining order against you. That's the answer. If basically you get a lead, and there is no four times and five direct mails and 17 direct. This is all a bunch of analytical crap that's too difficult to keep track of. And by the way, it's also expensive as hell. So your rule should be when you get a lead, especially if they have a house to sell, you follow up with them until one of two things happen. They list with you or somebody else, so they file a restraining order against you because you're so aggressive with lead follow-up. What you guys have to be clear in your head is that with the, when you run into somebody who has a house to sell, trust me when I tell you, the listing appointment has already started the second they tell you have a house to sell. They're deciding whether they want to list with you. And one of the easiest ways for them to call you a flake in their heads is if you have shitty lead follow-up. Because if you do not have aggressive lead follow-up, you are telling them all these bad things about you. You're saying to yourself, oh, I don't want to seem too pushy. I don't want to seem like a salesperson. I don't want them to think bad thoughts about me. I don't want to scare them off. All these 
thoughts that you have in your head are the exact opposite of the ones they're having about you. The ones they're having about you is this person must be too busy. They must not care. They must not want to do business with me. They must not have liked me. They must be too disorganized to call me back. They must have real estate not as their priority, and they must be doing something else. You see, not being aggressive with your lead follow-up, especially from these open house leads, is telling that prospective client that you are not the agent for them. So if you want to have an unfair advantage in your marketplace, furiously fast lead follow-up, especially when they have a house to sell. Sellers don't really know what the hell we do to sell real estate, do they? It's still a mystery. They assume that one of the things you do is answer your phone and respond to leads, even though we all know that's not really true. I mean, if we're, you know, it's not even really a joke. It's true. Most agents, voicemail is always full. Most agents never answer the phone. Most agents do a really terrible job of pre-qualifying guys, are you guilty of all those things? So if you really want to make yourself exceptional, frankly, and it requires virtually no effort, really, not a lot of skill, is use our scripts, pre-qualify people, follow up on your leads immediately. When you have them in the open houses, don't just be somebody who's there to do a public service open house and have a cookie and have some, you know, whatever. No, that's not your job. Your job is to grab their information, find out if they have a house to sell, and then follow up with them. That's your job. And like I said, in the the cities that are most nerdy, techie cities, like where we live and where San Francisco and all these other areas, where everyone's wired, where everyone's plugged in, that's where open houses work the best. Isn't that interesting? So that tells me that if you're from a town like where Julie and I are from, Columbus, Ohio, where only half the people are walking down the street looking at their cell phones, that that big sea change, the behavioral change is coming your way where people are going to start aggressively, overtly looking for people that are willing to have direct connections with them. If you want an unfair advantage, this is what this all of our coaching is all about, you need to learn how to pick up the phone and talk to people. Don't text, don't Facebook message, don't email, don't any of these other things. Pick up the phone and talk to people. Who does that? Virtually nobody. And why do they rationalize it? Here's the reason your agents rationalize not calling. Here's what they'll say. Well, it's because they don't want to be bothered. Horseshit. You don't want to be bothered because you don't know what to say and how to say it. So learn what to say and how to say it. And when you call people, they're going to be like kind of delighted because you might be the first person they talk to all day. Everyone else they've talked to has been in chat. It's not been real conversation. Julie, does this make sense? Yeah, I mean, if you're not getting these kinds of results, it's because you're not following the coaching on this. None of this is particularly time-consuming, expensive, or stressful. Or hard. But it does no. require you not to be lazy about it, right? You have all walked into the open house where the football game's on. You can, you're not even sure anybody's home in some cases, right? You're not even sure you're in the right house because nobody bothered to greet you. That's the lazy agent way of doing it. And those are the same agents that will tell you open houses are a waste of time. It's because they're wasting their time in the sellers. It has nothing to do with whether open houses work or not. They work when you work. So get to work. And there's lots of examples on our private Facebook page about agents who are doing deals simply because they were there in front of the client because they were the only ones who followed up. And even better than having urgent lead follow-up is set the appointment on the spot. Be able and willing to do that. Have your schedule open. Have your MLS open. Be ready to pounce. It, you don't have to have endless lead follow-up. And open house leads are the least likely to require that. They're already out there looking. All you have to do is ask the great questions and close for the appointment. So I and remember challenge when you're all of you to make that money. When you're Go setting ahead. an appointment, don't say, hey, can I come over and meet with you about selling your house? Don't ask a yes right. or no question. 
give them a choice of times. With today, Mr. Seller, I'm going to be in the area already. I've already given you guys the script twice in this call. I told you there'd be a ton of scripts on this uh, show today. Mr. Seller, uh, would today at 4 o'clock or would today at 6 o'clock be better for you? I can pop by. Don't say stop by. Don't say a listing appointment. Don't say anything that's going to sound like it's going to be long and arduous on their behalf because as nice and as pretty as you might be, they don't want you in their house for very long. Okay? So it would be okay if I pop by for you know a little while, maybe 15, 20 minutes, show you exactly what I can do to get the property sold so that at least then you can have all the actual information you need to know to make your decision as what's the next uh, best move for you and your family or whatever you need to say. But the bottom line is, is use the scripts. Don't ask yes or no questions. Drill down. Give them a choice of two times. Find out, you know, you know, by the way, Mr. House, which house in the neighborhood, by the way, Mr. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> by the way, which house in the neighborhood are you thinking about selling? I'm, I'm mixing all the scripts in my head now. I'm going to say something really goofy in here in a second if I keep talking. <laughs> so listen, guys, we hope all this helped you. We hope all this motivated you. I told you we were going to be direct and to the point because so many of you are missing the boat on one of the easiest, most effective ways to make money. Uh, I promise you guys, the more these tech companies you know, flood the market with these you know, goofy ideas, many of them, that are seductive to agents because agents think they can basically no longer have to do the real connecting, the conversing, and the real work of learning what to say and how to say it. More agents are going to be attracted to the easy button ideas. More of these tech companies are going to get in the business. The more what we tell you to do is going to become relevant because the marketplace is awash with emails and texts and this and that and the other thing. And all these agents sending listing information, all these agents sending all this other stuff, you need to do that is, but you also need to pick up the phone. Pick up the phone. And look, if you never do anything other than call them and send an occasional email to follow up on the call, that's all you need to do. But you need to be the person that calls. Realize that if you're not calling, you're being lazy. Don't convince yourself because you heard some internet guru tell you that people don't want to be called because they're too busy. That's not true. People want to be called. The behavior. That every psychological study has shown that people are feeling lonely and disconnected because of all the technology. So if you pick up the phone and they get to know you and you get to know them, you'll make friends with these people faster than maybe some of you want to, <laughs> if we're being honest. But you will make contacts, and those contacts will become business. This is how it's done. This is how it's done in every price range and every marketplace. So please, guys, take this seriously. If you need us for anything, it's Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. You have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at TimAndJulieHarris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.